Welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Building Heroes Podcast, and I'm excited to actually welcome back Jody Chafee who was one of our launch guests. And so today we get to hear more from her because I love what she's doing. She runs the Family Culture Movement podcast and that's her message. She wants to help people create a family culture. And that might be something we don't always think about right up front. Right, for sure. (laughs) So Jody, why don't you give us a brief review of your story and how you got to this point, and then we'll talk more about family culture. Awesome. Hey, Molly. Hey, hey, heroes. Thank you so much for having me back to the show. Um, Yeah, so that is a really good point to bring up that we don't always think about family culture. I started thinking about family culture because uh, I homeschool my kids and I, my husband and I at this, the time around the time I started my podcast, we started kind of recognizing that, that some of our constructs about what success is were, were not functional. I mean, it was kind of like, we knew that we had a happy marriage and we loved each other very much, but I'd also seen people who I thought were a happy couple. And next thing you know, they're getting a divorce. And I just thought, oh my gosh, how do I do this? How do I raise my kids to be successful, keep our family and our marriage thriving? And what does that even look like? Because right now it kind of feels like stuff's going to hit the fan soon because life is really stressful. And (laughs) we were really, we were strung out on, on Michael trying to find a job and, and trying to figure out how to provide for us. And, and he graduated college around the time of the, right around the recession. And so he applied to dozens and dozens and dozens of jobs and just never found one that fit with what he'd studied. It wasn't at all what he wanted to do. And he, um, so he was kind of, he was underemployed for a few years. And, and then the next job that he landed, uh, he was miserable (laughs) and it was really toxic environment. And so we started to question, like, how did this happen? How did we get here? Even though we checked all the right boxes right? We went to school, we worked hard, we got the grades, we did the service missions, we did, you know, we did all the right things. We, we had a family, we had a home and, and did all the things that all of the cultural norms and constructs that said this was what success should look like. It wasn't working for us. It, it wasn't successful at all. And even though we were happy, we love each other and we love our kids, we were, we had fallen into crippling depression and debt, like within a couple of years. And I just thought, okay, how did this happen? (laughs) First of all, and how do we get out of it? And the reason I I fell into family culture is because I started to recognize that the beliefs and the values that we grew up with had led us there because we believed that if we checked all the right boxes, we followed the script, we followed the conveyor belt of thinking that this is, we would be the robots of the society that we would be successful. And that, and maintaining that status quo never allowed us to A, figure out who we really were and our true identity and the things that we wanted, you know, our true purposes in this life. And, and B, it led us to a path where not only was that part of us silenced, we had to upkeep this image that 
everything was going to be okay because we had because my you know, Michael had, did have a job at that at, at that point and and it was providing for us but he was miserable and so the, this idea of family culture is basically being willing to look at what are the norms and the constructs of the status quo and deciding is that right is that really going to serve me and my family or is it causing more problems <laughs> because of the dysfunctional beliefs and values of society that are telling us one thing but our hearts are telling us something else and and we need to honor what our hearts are telling us but to break up with the status quo is really scary because <laughs> because of how dominant those beliefs are like if your husband doesn't if he has a successful job then you're then you're you're good like don't don't question that right don't don't question it if you're you have you know your kids and you're you're being a mom and 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 yeah that's what you're supposed to be quote unquote don't question that right <laughs> and i love being a mom but i also felt like there was a calling out there for me that i needed to figure out how to fulfill as well as be, being a mom and to me learning about family culture has helped me to define what that looks like because I'm able to say, well, is it in alignment with, the, with what I truly believe or is it just something that somebody is telling me is what I'm supposed to be doing? And, and so that's, I've never really told that version of this story before. <laughs> so Molly, you get a first glimpse of, of it. I mean, that's, that's really the, the reality of, of our journey that it was like, we grow up believing certain things. And when I talk about family culture, it's a lot like, you know, this, this joke that's like, oh, there's two goldfish swimming in the water and one other goldfish swims toward them. And it's like, hey, how's the water? And the other two keep swimming and they're like, wait, what's water? <laughs> you know? And so it's this, this concept that it's like culture is something that, like you said in the beginning, we don't always think about because it's so much the norm. It's just so much that you don't recognize what your culture is all the time, unless a somebody deliberately taught you the principles and the beliefs and the values of your culture, or you step outside of your, your cultural norm to something different and you experience what we call culture shock, right? And so at that point is when you're going, wait a second, why is this so different from what I grew up with? I don't understand the norms. I don't understand the language. I don't understand, you know, and you start to realize, wait a second, there's something else outside of my norm that I didn't even know existed. And so you start to question or you start to think and expand this, this cultural lens of what you, what you know is true to recognize that there are lots of things that are true. There are lots of things in this world that are good outside of just what your your default culture is. But the problem is most of us are only on a default mode of culture that we just go, okay, that's just the way that it is, right? That's yeah. just how it should be. And I was gonna say too, I think another, um, you know, you say we don't always think about culture unless A, somebody taught us or B, we had culture shock, or maybe number three would be that we somehow decide that we want something else. Yeah. And what we're doing now is not getting us there. 
Yeah. Which is exactly what we went through. We was, it was like, this is, this is not, you know, so that's when I started exploring more of like an entrepreneurial path and, and doing things that were a little bit differently. I mean, we were already doing something different because we homeschool our kids, (laughs) which, you know, already (laughs) sends up red flags for the dominant culture. Like what, what about socialization? (laughs) What about blah, blah, blah. And, And that's not a whole other topic, socialization, because the reality is everything is socialization, everything. The social constructs that we are, that we get, that get ingrained into us, those are the things become our culture. And, and I started to recognize like, wait a second, first of all, when I was homeschooling my kids, that social, uh, the socialization that they get in public school is not the one that I want my kids to have, (laughs) right? Right? First of all, (laughs) and then recognizing for my husband and for myself, the socialization that people receive in, in, in the corporate world is also not the socialization that we wanted to perpetuate in our in our lives and our family not that it's necessarily a bad thing but it's not what worked for us and so we wanted to be able to explore other paths to be able to establish more freedom for our family and to create something that was our own we we didn't want to just be we didn't want somebody else to be somebody else's employee or or to build somebody else's dreams when we had our own dreams right and so that's that's a really good point. Those three things that you either taught it, you have a culture shock or you choose it. And that is the crucial part. But I almost think that you don't recognize it unless you have some kind of traumatic experience. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. <laughs> or mean, you start thinking, wait, something's <laughs> off here. Right? <laughs> that, that is that is a pattern. And I can't remember the book right now, but it's something to do with story. But they always say in a good movie, you need an inciting incident, something that will kick you in the behind and say, wake up. This isn't the life I want to live. Yeah. Yeah. You well, know? that's the hero's journey, right? That's, it is. You know, coming back to your, your <laughs> platform, like that's the reality. And it, and it, it can that. be a call to action. And sometimes it can be a really big one that we don't want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But it's, it's, yeah, no, it's, it is hard to hear it because I mean, we would have loved it if Michael was successful in the corporate world and if everything panned out, but at the same time, I think at some point or another, we would have hit the same wall because both Mm -hmm. of us would have thought, uh, very miserable. Uh, You know, I, I look at people who, who right now, especially in our society where, where job security is not as secure right you know (laughs) like I hear about people who just before they're ready they're about to receive their pension get laid off and then they don't have retirement anymore they've got to go get a go get a get a minimum wage job somewhere you know so it's like that's that's people that is reality for people Mm -hmm. and we we even look at our parents and and actually they my my parents are well beyond retirement age still working because of the, the choices that they made and the fact that they just that's just the way that they they've grown up and they're just like, just going to keep working, just going to keep going until we figure things out. And we look at that and we're just kind of like, scratch your heads going, um, maybe not. I mean, not that our situation right now is better, but, <laughs> but I just, we're, we are intentionally working to build and create the life that we actually want. And instead of 20, 30, 40 years from now going, you know, all of that hitting the fan and going, wait a second, now we don't have time to build anything. Now we don't have time to recreate our lives and, and this is it, right? Or health. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that can deteriorate. And that's what, when I had my big aha moment 
in this process since trying, you know, working to become an entrepreneur is I read um, MJ DeMarco's book called The Millionaire Fastlane. And that book, like, it's like you wake up to see the matrix that we're all kind of like, I don't know if you know that, that movie. <laughs> I haven't watched but, it, but I have heard about, I know what it refers to. Okay. The matrix basically means everybody's in the system where they're all controlled and until they take the red pill and then the red pill wakens them up, but now they can yeah. feel, yes. feel their emotions and yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, so a dystopian it's, type it's, of- you wake movie. up to that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and, but it's really fascinating. When I read that book, I was like, I can't go back ever again to, you know, I've been unplugged. And if I try to get plugged back in again, it will just be miserable because I'll know a better reality. And, and I've ever since then, I just worked my tail off to figure out, okay, how do I get unplugged for real, you know, and, and to just live more independently. And so that's something that I just am so passionate about. Like, I want to help other families figure that out for themselves too, that there are, there is a path to, to redefining your family culture in, with intention, not, you know, cause, cause when you, when you jump off that train, when you get unplugged, if you're on your own, it's so scary. <laughs> and there's so many things that you're just like, wait a second, we were going to this train, our train broke down and now we don't have anywhere to go. And Ah, and, and thought, it's scary. I thought I was going to be in the house with the white picket fence. Exactly. And... <laughs> right. Because that's the thing that that's mm -hmm. where I get this, this line of being living scripted living, right. MJ DeMarco, his second book is called unscripting unscripted. And it's like, we have this script, right. We go from point A, B, C, D, and it's supposed to be promising us that that outcome, right. Mm -hmm. The picket fence, mm -hmm. the secure job and the pension and all that stuff. But in our society today, those things are a, their dream they're they're there's no the guarantee no guarantees exactly, exactly. and and so it, but when you try to write your own script <laughs> that's when things get crazy right like that's when you're just like wait a second but it, uh, what do I do now there's nobody telling me what to do or what to think and I've got to figure out it on my own so so this brings me to um one of the very first exposures that I had to this idea of family culture I don't remember if I told this story on the introduction episode, but um, I was a missionary for my church in Hawaii, right? And there's a lot of cultures there in Hawaii. It's a really big uh, salad bowl. They don't, they don't call it a melting pot because, <laughs> I mean, it is because there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of like mixed race couples in Hawaii and it's really beautiful. And, and there's a lot of, just a lot of diversity there. And I loved being able to serve there. <clears throat> Well, but this one day, so as missionaries, we often go to members' homes for dinner appointments. And so we'll share a meal with, with a family. Well, I was serving a lot of my time on campus at university. And so we got invited to a home of this young newlywed couple. Well, as soon as we walked in the house, like the tension and the anxiety was, was just so tense. It was just, oh my gosh, we, they were super, super uptight about something. And it came out pretty quickly that um, they were they were a mixed race couple. He's from another country and she was American. And um, they had just been to like a school conference where another mixed race couple who are older was actually advising the students to avoid mixed race marriage. And so they were really, really upset. I mean, and for good reason, right? Like this is, 
they were like, what do they, what do they come from telling people that they shouldn't get married people from other countries and they're, they're, they've made it work or, you know, but it was clear that they were upset about this because they did have conflict about their cultural differences. And I mean, I was freaking out because I'd never been married. I didn't ever, I didn't even know how to date. Like I was just like a young kid. <laughs> and, um, and so like my companion, and I tried to teach them a lesson about, you know, forever families and things. And they were like, <clears throat> you know, they just kind of grunted at us like, yeah, whatever, you know? And so we just like ran away from that appointment. It was so, we were so upset. And I was really upset too, because I just thought, well, how do you make a marriage work? And, and all these beautiful brown people everywhere, maybe I could, I'm going to end up marrying somebody from another country, you know? And, and so it was really upsetting to me that I, I just didn't know the answer. And so at the, where I was, it was a visitor center and there were some older couples who were serving as missionaries also. And there's this one gentleman, he was from Tonga and his wife was American and they lived there in Hawaii. And so I approached him and I told him what happened. And I was like, I'm, this is really upsetting to me because I, how do you make it work? Like if you guys have been able to be married for decades and you're successful and you have beautiful family and grandchildren and all this stuff, what is, what is it that's allowed you to, to keep going? And I'll never forget what he said, because he just, first of all, he had this deep gravelly voice with a thick Tongan accent. It was just beautiful. And he slashed his hand through the air. He goes, you forget about where you come from. And you adopt the church culture as your new culture. And I knew exactly what he meant at that time, because I, in our church, there are a lot of, lot of programs and systems and things like that to, that you can implement in your family to, to build a stronger family. And so I knew that that's what he meant. And as I've, as I've studied family culture and thinking about these different philosophies and how to have a strong family culture, what I also look at what he said is that, A, you need to come together and agree on what your culture is gonna be. Whenever you, when, whoever you are, wherever you're coming from and whatever differences you may have, you gotta come together and agree on what your family is gonna look like. And two, it helps if you have someone with successful patterns and systems that work to model after. And the problem is in our society, because the dominant culture is so loud, that's what we look to. And then we have 50% divorce rate, right? In our society, right? And, and so, I mean, there's, there are good systems and strategies and frameworks that as I've studied, you know, I study business culture and I study family culture and I study, you know, these philosophies around homeschooling and, and education and all this stuff. There are people who are making it and they're doing it because they came together, they agreed on what their culture is going to look like, and they adopted the systems and strategies that allow them to be successful and, and implement those things. Yeah, that that's really awesome because if we if we go back to where you you were talking about how when you go against the norm and the status quo and you go unscripted and then you have to write your own script, it's scary. Yeah. But that's that's really the beauty of life is that we get to write our own script. We get yeah. to be the hero of our own stories. But but a lot of a, a lot of times you're like, oh, I just want to do this. Just tell me what to do. Yeah. you know <laughs> but but that's the beautiful thing is is it's not that hard to write our script if we use those systems and patterns that are already out there but we can make them ours yeah we don't we don't have to copy what everybody else is doing because then we go right back into the status quo right right, right. And, and so 
I think what you're saying is you studied all these different systems and patterns and you figured out what resonated with you. And then you took what you liked to create your script, to create your story. And really what you're doing is to create your family culture. Yep. Yeah. So what I do is I help parents to claim leadership in their homes and become the expert of their own family culture and to define for themselves what success is because even though you know yeah there are patterns these kinds of things what i've developed is a framework for everybody to be able to analyze where they are and where they want to go as it pertains to their family's values right so it's it's the reality is that if you want to be able to be the expert of your own family culture in, and yet you're just going to model what everybody else is, is already doing in the script or on the conveyor belt. Then you, like you said, you're just going to repeat the same patterns and, and keep reliving the same triggers and, and, and keep generating the same outcomes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and next thing you know, we have another generation where they cringe every time they speak and sound like their mother. Right. <laughs> and so that's, Been there, that's done that. That, <laughs> yeah, right? and, yeah. and so, but these are things that are perpetuated just because we aren't analyzing or taking inventory of where we are to start thinking, okay, where did this come from? You know, like there's that story that's kind of an analogy of the the ham or the roast or whatever you want to say. I don't know. I, maybe I tell this one. I love telling the same stories over and over, right? That's what you're supposed to do. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like the, the daughter is like watching her mom cut off the ends of the roast to put it in the oven, right? And she's like, mom, why are you doing that? She's like, well, uh, it's just what my mother did. Maybe you should go ask her. So she goes to grandma. Why do you cut off the ends of the roast? Well, it's what my mother did. Why don't you go ask great grandma? So she goes to great grandma. Hey, great grandma. I noticed that grandma and my mom cut the ends of the roast before they put it in the oven. And why, why did you do that? And she said, oh, well, when we were first married, we just had a really small oven and the roast wouldn't fit in the oven unless I cut off the ends. And so we, that's why I had to do it. But so it's not like the daughter or granddaughter or great granddaughter has to keep that tradition going. It was just something that the great grandmother did out of necessity. And, but so many of the constructs and norms that we pick up on is just because that somebody in our ancestry did it out of survival or out of necessity. And, and it just got picked up in our, in our constructs and our behaviors. Or it, or it's just what everybody else is doing exactly. around us. And, and, and we don't take the time to question, is this serving me and my family? Yeah. yeah. Like, what's the point of cutting the ends off and, and you throw those away or what, what's going on? What a waste, you know, <laughs> it's like, let's, let's look at what is going on and if it's really functioning as, as a successful pattern. And um, because so many, we, we just fall into these patterns, you know, like, um, like my mom was really uptight whenever we were going to have company come over. Right. And so, and, and I, and I love my mom dearly, but that's something that I remember growing up is she'd get really uptight about it and want the house perfectly clean. And, and so sometimes like I would notice myself going, Oh my gosh, Oh, my house is a mess. And the problem is not that I start behaving that way. The problem is that I started to value myself based on the cleanliness of my home. And that's so, so funny because I have something. that same pattern. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's common. You know, that's why I bring it up because that's, yep. that's how, especially, you know, in this, that era of the housewives and yeah. things like that, where it's like, okay, if your home is spotless, then you're a good housewife or whatever. And, well, the other problem is ugh. you don't feel like you can have people over ever if your house isn't clean. And, you know, then how are you supposed to connect with people? If, yeah. 
Yeah, it just it just starts you know? spiraling out of control, yeah. right? It's yeah. like one thing after another after another. And so, you know, it's like, okay, it's time to to question that pattern and be like, wait, my worth is not defined by how clean my home is. And the people who really love me are gonna come over and not care about how messy my house is, right? And so those are things that it's just important to start thinking about and and asking yourself, wow, why am I being triggered by my house being messy? And then I'm going off on my kids and getting upset and I'm mad at my husband for no reason. And, and, and now it's just, it's really just because I hate myself because my house is a mess, you know? And so yeah. it's, it's just coming to terms with the, the reality and, and recognizing those patterns. Well, and it's not that we can't learn how to clean the house either. Right. But, but we stop sure. ourselves because we're reasons. so, yeah. And, and, and we're, we stop ourselves because we're so caught up in this downward spiral yeah. and, and then we give up. Yeah. But as soon as you start to recognize yeah. it and start giving yourself grace and be like, you know what? I, I, yeah, I like having a clean house, but that first of all, it doesn't define my worth. Yeah. But second of all, I can do it because I enjoy having a clean house. You know, yeah. it's like the same thing around like body image and stuff like that. It's like, do I exercise because I want a trim body and, and a pure fit? so that it's more pleasing, I'm more pleasing to look at, or I feel more confident or stuff like that. Or do I exercise simply because I adore my body and I know that it's a temple and that it's something that I want to take care of and have for the rest of my life, right? <laughs> for a longer- I want to be around life. for my kids and my grandkids. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And so being able to go, you know what? I don't need to be defined by this part of me or I don't need to be defined by that belief or that construct that, oh, I should be fit because then that, that conveys this level of worth in myself or something like that. That's where we fall yeah. into problems, problem patterns. And then that narrative gets translated into how we treat ourselves and how we treat uh -huh. our kids. Uh -huh. And it becomes the, the power struggles at the dinner table. And it becomes, you know, it, there, there's so many things that, that it translates into that you go, wait a second, why am I being triggered by this? Let me right? stop and think. <laughs> and I don't need to react. If my kids don't want to eat their vegetables today, I can say, okay. And next thing you know, they're gonna be like, oh, mom's not worried about me. You know, mom, mom's not trying to force me to eat these things. I think I'll try some, you know, it, it's amazing how that actually works. <laughs> it, it actually does. I mean, what I always like to say my kids in that situation is, you know what, you're probably just not quite ready for them yet. You'll like them when you're older. <laughs> you <know? laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's learning about the, the, the patterns that really do serve you. And there are consistencies in the types of things that I've discovered that they, they come back to, um, number one is taking inventory. I mentioned this in the, in the first, uh, introductory uh, episode, right? There's the first, the first step is the family identity pillars that I talk about. And so there are four steps in there or four, four pillars. And it starts with understanding your genealogy. And you, you know, there's, there's so many things that go into that understanding your nationality yeah, where you come from, your cult, your, yeah. your family Nationali culture. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that, and, that's and, come with you. Right. The actual yeah. physical. So there's genetics and there's also epigenetics. Those are things that are, I, when I discover this, it's so fascinating because so genes are like the hardware of your body and epigenetics are like the software to tell your genes how to manifest. And those are influenced by experiences and behaviors. And so as you understand that aspect of yourself and like recognizing you, 
you can it's have nature to it and nurture exactly yeah. yeah so that's number one the second thing is the the stories and the shared experiences that your family have that shape your identity and every family has stories and things and the more you you and your family understand and your children know about your stories and that is going to help shape their identity and create cultivate resilience in your family um and shared so, experiences are really powerful yeah so so what you're not saying is not you're, you're not saying you should actually throw out your whole family line and of culture but you should know it so that you know you're part of this whole bigger human race yeah and, yeah. and you can because embrace it but you can also look at it with a subjective eye Exactly. Exactly. Like that, that gentleman on my mission that said, you forget about your, where you come from. He was still very much Tongan. Okay. Yeah. And there's a strong <laughs> cultural influence in his behavior and everything. Right. And it's, it's a beautiful culture. Right. But, and so you don't want to completely throw, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Like that's, that's not what I'm saying at all. But, because but there are saying, definitely beautiful yeah. aspects of your culture and your heritage that, that, heritage is the good word because 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 you keep the heritage but then you look forward to the new family culture that that's That's, what you're doing there that's why my brand is called our modern heritage academy because it's bringing your heritage into today updating it in a way and 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 allowing yourself to embrace the heritage that you're bringing with you but also looking at like you said from a subjective point of view that or objective i can never get those straight <laughs> yeah maybe it's objective we'll have to look it yeah, up after subjective. the podcast no it's 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 being able to well because mm-hmm. you know it's being able to look at empirical results that are that yeah. are actually successful in in the long term not just oh we just do this just because right right so so yeah so you know you're not going to just get rid of everything you want to be able to know who you are and your identity based on the experiences that your family has and and the heritage that you're bringing so so yeah so genealogy and then stories and then um oh my gosh it just my mind is already is still dwelling on the other stories (laughs) and then traditions and norms right so the traditions and things that that are the external expression of that cultural heritage that you bring with you and and the ones that you establish in your family it's really powerful to have traditions and to have customs you know like um my family we really enjoy watching the mandalorian have you watched it at all it's on disney plus a little have you bit seen it? oh well <laughs> some, some family members <laughs> like it better than the others <laughs> we, you know we we think it's really cute yeah. and but anyways this this mandalorian culture whenever there's something that like comes into question and he's supposed to behave a certain way he says this is the way and then it's just settled and, and so there is really power in, in knowing your customs and your traditions, as long as, again, you're aware of them and you, you're not necessarily going, well, that's just the way that it is, right? Because the other story I like to tell is, and, you know, we, we had recently listened to, again, the Secret Garden, and, you know, poor Mary had been growing up with her Aya in India who would dress her every day. And so when her, her parents passed away and she finds herself in England and the servant comes in to bring her breakfast, she stands up as though the servant's going to get her dress. And the servant's like, what are you doing? She's like, well, my Aya always dressed me. And, and the servant's like, 
why would she do that? And she goes, I don't know. They just said it was the custom. And so anytime I question anything, they just said, it's the custom, it's the custom. And so you can have, there's, there's, there's dark and a light side to the whole, <laughs> that whole idea of having these customs, but it's becoming aware of them and understanding like, is this a custom or a tradition that really serves us or is it actually keeping us, holding us back? So yeah. So yeah. There's, that's the Love whole, that. you know, you can create, you can create new customs and traditions that actually help to strengthen your family. And then, but be aware of the ones that you have bring with you into your family. That, that may be good or may not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth pillar of your family identity is environment. So, you know, what is the morale of your home? What are the, what are the aesthetics, you know? And, and I have a whole interview with somebody who is a feng shui, uh, a specialist that we had a really great conversation about. I have a couple, couple of those kinds of interviews, and it's so fascinating. When you begin to recognize the way that your environment shapes your family culture and and the nonverbal communication that you that you carry into your family, that shapes the morale and the feeling in your home. Like that to me is huh? like these are the things that define like your family brand in a way. <laughs> you know, it's like when you're going, you're deciding where you want to go to eat dinner, like you, you pick, you settle on one is because you know what to expect there. Right. And yeah. that's their brand because that their brand is consistent. And when people come into your home and you become known for certain behaviors and, and traditions and feeling in your home, then all of these things kind of like lend to that idea of having like a brand in your family. <laughs> Spoken like a true right. entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I guess. laughs> No, so, but that's true. I mean, and you even mentioned that couple that you went into their house and it felt, you could feel the tension, even though they weren't even saying anything up front. And I think that is definitely something that we can be more aware of and that we can control. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's, or, or at least um, influence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that I describe these four pillars also as like defining the vehicle, because when you are starting to your family culture, you're, you're basically agreeing that you're going to go on this trip together right and it's like this trip of life <laughs> and the vehicle is this thing that you all agree you're going to come together and this is what's going to carry us throughout the, re the rest of our lives together in our family culture journey and so those are the things that define it well then the next thing is how are you going to navigate that you know now you've established who you are and what things look like and where you're coming from where your starting point is because you can't know where you want to go unless you know where you're starting from right <laughs> you can't, it's it's like you, okay i can get i know where that is but i don't know how long it's going to take or how right like there, you know? a map's not going to do you a bit of good if it's of california and you're over in uh, <laughs> new york <laughs> exactly exactly so the next step is is now that you've established where you are is navigating where you want to go and so those are, those are just the basic mission, vision, values, and policies, you know, and, and, and the, the policies are defined by your mission and vision and values. You know, I think that a lot of times we have power struggles with our kids because we just throw around rules like, well, that's because I said so, or things like that, you know, uh -huh. and, and we don't really know why, because we just took them from either our exactly. own family or from, from the society. World. Exactly. Yeah. And so, but when you have those, those navigation strategies defined, then the rules that you make, they don't, they're not strange anymore. So like, so I define mission as like your destination. So where do you want to end up? If you can picture your life in 30 or 40 years, you know, what does it look like? Okay. 
And, and so that's you getting in the map out and picking the destination, right? The, your vision, I define it as like actually your global positioning system. So if you get out your GPS, you wanna know where you are in this world. And that's, that is a great powerful tool to give you a sense of direction because you can see the big picture, right? And so your vision is the how and the why and, and, and what is the vivid image of what you want to cultivate in your family. That's, that's like a GPS. And then your values are like your compass to keep you appointed is your true north. And then the policies are a lot like the street signs and the, the traffic lights and, you know, all those things that help us to stay safe. And, and they're defined by, you know, let's, let's keep this real. And, <laughs> and it's your family rules and boundaries. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's navigation. And then finally, every vehicle needs some maintenance, right? You don't want to drive your car without any fuel or, <laughs> or getting the oil changed or changing, rotating the tires, things like that. Um, and so there's maintenance strategies and systems. And number one is communication. So, and establishing times when your family will actually have hold meetings and have councils together and do dates together. And, you know, it's basically setting it aside specific and intentional time to have family time and communication. So that's, that's step one in maintenance and then uh, leadership. So the leader is the driver at the wheel, right? And, you know, sometimes uh, that's, that's a different person depending on who is the loudest, right? But it's that ne not necessarily the leadership that you want if, if they're just driving and steering you out of control, right? So as parents, I have, I, that's my goal to claim leadership in your home, be the driver, be the one at the wheel that every time your teenager starts to have a fit or something, you take the wheel and say, hey, it looks like, seems like you maybe need a hug or maybe you need some time to, to digest this, whatever's going on in your life. And, and I can, I, I'm here to listen to you or, or whatever. You know, there are ways that we can reestablish leadership in our home by being conscious of this, the environment, what, what's developing <laughs> in our home and to stand up. And so, you know, that's actually um, something that you know, a leader is somebody who has, who stands and, and that, that's somebody who is sober and tenacious and all the, the different things that yeah and i think that leadership is a big one because and and how you're talking about standing up for good because i think a lot of times the temptation is is you want to just tiptoe around the people who maybe are in a bad mood because you right. don't want the repercussions and right. and that is part of leadership is standing up and speaking up not not like saying, hey, you're in a bad mood, you know, right. but rather doing it kindly and 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 compassionately. Right. Like because you as say. soon as you start, as soon as you start being you know butting heads, then they won. They they are still the leader. You're not you're you're you know, it's this power struggle is it's just whoever is the loudest is still gonna be the they're, one they're the one in control. Over. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, and so as parents, when we calmly approach the situation mindfully, right? So the, the acronym stands is they're sober, tenacious, accountable, noble. They're the driver and they're the shining example or the role model. So, you know, these are the, these are the things, the principles of being a leader that we step into as parents. And, and it's, and it's can be scary, right? Like this idea of modeling, being the perfect model for our kids 
it's not, it's, it's not easy. Right. And well, you, you don't have to be, be. you don't, but that's the part. Okay. So this yeah. is the part in the next steps of the process of, of maintain, maintaining this family culture that you want to cultivate is the next thing is having trust. And the reality mm -hmm. is you won't be able to establish trust if you are constantly just trying to uphold some image and kids will trust you. We all trust each other better when we know the person's real and vulnerable. Vulnerability is a huge part of trust and non-judgment, right? Like if you, as soon as you start throwing judgments around and, and talking stories or whatever, spinning stories, uh, trust just goes out the window and you just can't have that anymore. So trust is the fuel of your vehicle. Well, and if you come in and just say, like we were talking about earlier, this is how it is, you yeah. obey or else, you know, that, that is not conducive to driving your family culture vehicle. Yeah, exactly. And you <laughs> might you be want in, it you, to go, <laughs> right. You may be at the wheel, but, um, your kids are in, they're looking for the first stop to jump out <laughs> yeah. and, and start going their own way. Right. And so trust is just, it's, it's a big, big, big part of family culture. You have to have trust because every culture that is driven by fear is toxic. That's just the reality. Mm -hmm. And so you, the goal is to develop a faith-based, a faith-driven, trust-driven culture. And that's, okay, so here's my acronym for, for trust, listens, okay? That you're loyal, you have integrity, you suspend judgment, you're tentative, so, or transparent. So you're not jumping to conclusions, right? You have empathy, and you're natural and you're selfless. So those are all things that to establish trust, you need to be able to cultivate those things. And so, and then finally, the last component is constructive coping strategies. Because when we're on a road trip, if you've ever been on like a real raw road trip, there are detours, there's construction, there's, you know, there's traffic, you know, things and that's- come up. <laughs> yes. That's life. And so, that everything is just going to run perfectly and smoothly. And, but you also, when the, when you hit those roadblocks and detours, you also don't want to be like, we're turning this car around and I'm out of here. You know, it's like, <laughs> we, we need to keep going, but, but being able to also acknowledge, okay, we got, we hit a detour. You know what? Maybe it's time to take the scenic route instead for a little while, or maybe it's time to pull over and, and refuel our bodies and our souls. You know, it's like, it's, this is the part about your family culture that is giving yourself grace because the reality is the defaults that we have, that we're accustomed to those things spring up or they arise in times of stress. Right. Uh -huh. And so the things that you're trying to avoid and those triggers that you have, those things, those things just like come to the surface whenever you're stressed out or you're experiencing trauma and grief and all these things. But to continue to have an intentional family culture, you need to have strategies for constructively coping with those stressful situations and being able to acknowledge, look, this is hard. We just hit a snag in this journey. And I don't, honestly don't really know what to do now. <laughs> but when you construct co uh, cope constructively, then that is like the roadmap. Okay. Like legit roadmap, like your GPS is broken. You're, you, you know, you don't really know where you're going anymore And your compass is spinning all over the place and there's no road signs. That's when you get out your paper map and you're like, okay, let's find where we are. Let's acknowledge what we're, what we're dealing with here. 
and start renegotiating this path with grace because because you just if you just plow through those stressful situations or you just like forget it i'm weep it under the carpet i'm gonna either escape this situation or i'm going to just be like or avoid the situation that's not actually allowing you to cope with it constructively and that's when you default you just fall back into your defaults but when you have the capacity to look at it slow down and be like hey look it's okay that we're not perfect right now and it's okay to just honor what our family needs right now you know um, i was talking to somebody who their their child was in the hospital for a couple of months right and that's going to throw a wrench in your tire every time but when you go into that type of situation, setting an intention that look, life is going to be a little different right now. And that's okay. And we're going to, we're going to do things differently. Like I was talking, I interviewed my friend who lost their son and they, they call, they, they ate out a lot more often. Right. And they call it grief pounds. Right. And it's like, look, that's just reality. And it's and, okay. And it's okay. Yeah. You got to honor your needs to go through and process and help your children to process and digest these things that are naturally going on in our lives and the changes that we're naturally experiencing that if you go into them with an intention that we're going to honor those needs or we're going to do things that that give us the self-care and and uh, constructive outlets and things like that that's going to help you to, to maintain that intentionality in your family culture. And in fact, your family culture may become defined by how you respond to those stressful situations. And that's what I was going to say is if you have those coping skills and you get through it, you can come out stronger Yeah. and your family culture is going to be better. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, these things that we experience, those become the shared experiences mm-hmm. that become our, our family stories. Yeah. And, and the, a lot of times those shared experiences are stronger when they're founded in trauma, (laughs) if they're physical or emotional trauma or things like that. And you, uh, and you come, you, you, um, what is the word I'm looking for? You just show up to those situations with intentionality, then that kid, that's going to actually strengthen your family. Well, and it's the obstacles on our path that make our journeys an adventure and it's how we deal with them that determine whether we just stay stuck in the muck or if we can become stronger and move forward yeah yeah and it's not easy it's not easy but (laughs) it's easy for me to say that (laughs) (laughs) right no it's it's but but that's where grace comes in you know it's it's over this time when michael was trying to figure out and define what he you know what he's gonna do with this career and a toxic environment and stuff like that we hit a lot of really crippling depression you know and and it's not easy and and the anxiety of of being able to you know saying look we don't fit the the norms and constructs of what you know what a successful family looks like right and that's that is painful and, and so we've had to come to terms with that on our, on our own to figure out, okay, but we can still have a loving family and we can still have traditions and we can still nurture our children to become confident and use this experience that we've had that life wasn't easy, it wasn't been easy, right? And, and 
And so our kids are going to see that and the way that we cope and the way that we're learning to be resilient. And that is going to help translate into their resilience because they see us going through this stuff. I think that if we mask our pain, we mask our struggles. I mean, we don't want to like put it on our kids, right? No. <laughs> Any of that <laughs> stuff. But when we just shield them and shelter them from it, then they are not going to grow up with, with a, a real sense of, of reality, right? Like, or, or what it really looks like to struggle or to be resilient. And to go on the journey. Powerful, exactly. Yeah, yeah. well, I love that. I love that you, I mean, this, this framework is gold, you know? <laughs> I hope people can appreciate that because, you know, I, I love that you've given guideposts of what we can be considering in our own family cultures and what we can need to be intentionally figuring out and deciding. And, and really, you know, sometimes that it, it can seem a little stressful because, well, what's the right answer is what we think, but really you it's, create it's, the right answer. That, for you. That's the fun thing. You get yeah. to decide. Yeah. And, and if it doesn't work, you can go back and adjust it. Yeah, because this, I mean, this whole concept of constructive coping to me was foundational of this approach because, because you're writing your own script, because you're, you're drawing the map and, and everything on your, you know, for yourself. And so every moment might need pretty good measure of grace and, <laughs> and, <might> mess up. <laughs> and, and mindfulness. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's just being so fully present to the situation that you're in and the, and what you're trying to develop because because so much of the 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 life experiences create this ingrained behaviors and beliefs in us it's it's going to take intentionality mm -hmm. to respond differently to those stressors so you don't fall back into those repeat and repeating those same patterns again and again and again Absolutely. And the more you practice it and the more you're able to to channel that stress into things that are constructive or create new habits, the easier it, it gets. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and the more clear it gets, the more clear the path becomes too as well. Well, Jody, thank you so much for taking your time out to share that with us. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Molly. And um, tell our listeners where they can find you. Sure. Yeah. So my URL is homeandfamilyculture.com and you can go there to learn more about my podcast, the family culture movement. And I also have a free membership there. That is the family leadership toolbox where I curate um, resources and tools from my guests on my podcast that you can go and find there. And I also am offering uh, free strategy, ses strategy sessions to help to define where you are and where you want to be and, and, how to how to cultivate this roadmap for your family well that sounds amazing i'm gonna go check that out i think i might actually have signed up already and now i should go look at it because yeah. <laughs> it sounds great <laughs> awesome. yes so uh thank you so much for joining us yeah thank you molly thanks for listening to the building heroes podcast can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it when you subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on Building Heroes in your home, get the free Building Heroes resources at www.buildingheroesacademy.com.